right, let's talk. We saw it. We know it. We know it happened. Let's play it. Tom Brady has announced his retirement from the NFL. I'm not going to be one of those media goofs that says, well, what, is this, what type of retirement is this? No, I'm taking the man at my word, even though I am dressed up like John Fetterman again. Let's play Brady's retirement, Dylan. He announced it this morning. Looks like from a beach in Miami. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Well, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. First off, we did not allow anybody to live their absolute dream. What Tom Brady did was put in more hard work and dedication than 99.9999999% of us would ever put into any op op occupation, whether it was physical, whether it was mental, whether it was diet, whether it was health, conditioning, studying, you name it, Tom Brady uh, did it. <clears throat> and so it really doesn't have anything to do with, quote, you guys, us guys. I mean, that dude went to work. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of things I respect about the guy, but the two things that I respect most were are, number one, the work that he put in. I mean, people make fun of the TB12 stuff, right? It's crazy. You don't eat a cheeseburger. You don't do this. You don't do that. Well, if you want greatness with basically an ordinary man, then guess what? You got to do those things. You know, I get a kick out of certain things. LeBron James always says, well, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. That's crap. In fifth grade, LeBron James is about six foot, 280 pounds, and he never stopped growing. Tom Brady, when you look back at all that he was coming out of Michigan, scrawny, skinny, looked like every single guy, man, you got to do something different, and he did. The second thing that I admire about Tom Brady, and I believe Tom Brady is unlike really any other, is the mental toughness of Tom Brady. You know, we all love Peyton Manning. We love Peyton Manning maybe more now because of his commercials, and Peyton Manning, I would argue, is as good a quarterback as any, but Tom Brady's mental toughness, Tom Brady's ability to come through in the clutch, to be calm, to make the right plays every time daggone near and never, ever quit is amazing to me. You know, Tom Brady, to me, those two things set him apart. Yes, he's got all kind of records. Yes, he's a five-time Super Bowl MVP, seven-time Super Bowl champ, 15-time Pro Bowl, 286 uh, wins, regular postseason, 737 career touchdown passes, all the things that make him three-time MVP, all the things that make him the GOAT. But I'm telling you, in my mind, and if I'm getting older now, but if I ever went back into coaching, I swear to God, I would be so meticulous in finding out two things about a player. Number one, how dedicated are they really? Everybody likes to get in the gym and shoot jump shots, but how dedicated are they really? You see Tom Brady right there coming out of Michigan as a quarterback that had to fight a guy named Drew Hansen. Drew Hansen 
for those of you that don't know, was like uh, Gil Thorpe, the greatest athlete in the history of Michigan. Does he play baseball? Does he play football? He goes to Michigan. He plays both. He goes to the Tigers, blah, 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 blah. And Brady just hung in there. He doesn't even look like the same guy. And you know what? He shouldn't. He shouldn't. We all shouldn't. In my case, I look fatter. In his case, he looks better. We all get it. But man, oh man, you got to love the fact that Tom Brady now decides to retire. And you got to love the fact that he's self-aware enough to do it. And of course, the Dennis Dodds of the world, the Pete Priscos of the world, and all the little media guys, well, is this for real? Well, that just means he's going to Miami next year. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up. So easy. It's so typical. It's so what they are. But respect to Tom Brady as the GOAT retiring. Now, let's go through a couple of things. You know this man went to 10 Super Bowls? Now, I just want you to think about that for just a second. 10 Super Bowls. There's the seven rings. People get all shot in the backside uh, when you lose, right? They act like, whoa, it's a failure when you lose. Are you insane? Are you absolutely just getting to a Super Bowl? Skidding to the Super Bowl is nuts. It's hard. That's right. When people always talk about the Buffalo Bills, well, you know, they lost four Super Bowls. They're going way back to Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant, Minnesota Vikings. Well, they lost. Are you insane? Are you crazy? That's for people that don't understand anything about sports. It is so difficult. People say, well, you couldn't win the big one. Really? He won the AFC or NFC championship to get to the Super Bowl. It's hard, man. And this dude went to 10. I would argue it was the perfect marriage. Uh, I wasn't inside it. I know people that coached during Brady's time with Belichick. I got to know Belichick going way back. But I didn't know him when he was the coach of the freaking uh, New England Patriots. I knew him when he was defensive coordinator of the Giants. But people say it's the perfect match, and let me tell you why I agree. If you've ever seen Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or Derek Jeter, I don't know Jeter's as well. I haven't studied it. But Jordan and Brady, the one thing that stands out to you is they're both coachable. There's an iconic picture of Michael Jordan on his knee in a game staring right at, right at Dean Smith when he was in college. And Brady has been anything, but he has been coachable. And it's amazing how folks don't understand that. The greatest of all time in each sport, I bet you money if you ask any of the people that coach them, the first thing they would say, well, they might get into hard work, they might get into all the things, but coachability. Brady, what did he do on the sideline? He sat there and he looked with Josh McDaniels. Now, that's what he did. He looked at whatever it was. Now, it, you know, it's the Microsoft screen, the iPad that they look at, but he was coachable. And it's amazing to me that your kid isn't coachable. It's amazing to me that when you look at kids today and you look at kids of my age and you look at kids of all age, coachability is never, ever, ever the first thing we hear about now with great basketball players or great football players. We hear about the brand. We hear about douches. We hear all the crap. Coachability of Tom Brady. You won't hear one person say it today. You won't. Maybe later on in the day when everybody... I don't know. Everybody kind of runs out of things to say, but that is number one to me. I mean, listen, yes, he worked hard. I I talked about that. Yes, the mental toughness. 
But that dude wanted to be coached. That dude wanted somebody to improve. And I got to tell you, you'll hear Josh McDaniels at some point today because coaches must talk about themselves, talk about how Tom Brady made him a better coach. And then people will ridicule Josh McDaniels for saying that because, well, frankly, Josh McDaniels hasn't been that successful as a head coach, but there's a lot of factors that go into being a head coach. Let me tell you what I mean by Josh McDaniels saying that Brady made him a better coach. He knew, as did Clyde Christensen with the Indianapolis Colts, that Tom Brady, Peyton Manning were going to be prepared for every meeting that they had. There was going to be seriousness. There was going to be fun. There was going to be strategy. There was going to be individual improvement in all of the meetings. And guess what? As a coach, you better be ready for it. There are some players that are going to BS you, so the coach knows, ah, he's going to BS me, nothing I say he's going to get through, so I can BS him back. Not with Brady. No, sir. Not with Manning. No, sir. You had to prepare like it was a game to go into a meeting with Tom Brady. That's what every single guy, and I know three, that coached with the Belichick-Brady intact team. They all said the same thing. You had to be prepared. Hell, I remember talking to Ted Karras Sr., the guy we had on the show. His son, Junior Jr., played when Brady was with Belichick, and that's all they talked about. Man, Brady is ready. Man, Brady is this. Brady is prepared. Brady is, and that is huge. You can't wing it and be the greatest. We have the greatest show in the mornings, and we don't wing it. Basically, it's Aaron, myself, and Dylan, and Ryan, and we're all day going back and forth. You think all this just shows up? No. Preparation, baby. The will to win is important, but it's the will to prepare to win that very few have. And Brady prepared. So you'll hear that from that guy right there, Josh McDaniels. You'll hear idiots make fun of Brady. All right, let's look at the record. Seven-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time League MVP, you see first all-time in yards. You see first all-time regular season touchdown passes. First all-time playoff passing yards. First all-time in playoff TDs. And now look, were I to be a football player or were I to be an NBA player, the most important thing to me would be playoff records. Now, it's different. I get it. You play more games now. You didn't play as many when Bart Starr Dan Marino we're slinging the caca, but they did. Now you're playing, but he, everybody else has opportunity to do what Brady did and no one did. It. Here's the reason I'm getting into a lot of different things here with Brady. And I'll talk to Armando coming up here in a minute. We'll also get into Sean Payton. You're not going to believe the stupid money that the Waltons are paying Sean Payton. Good for them, man. God bless you. Also the saints gave up a lot or got a lot and had to give up something for Sean Brady to go to the Broncos. D'Amico Rines, there's an idiot on ESPN. His last name is Dennis. I don't know who the dude is, but he went off yesterday on how the how racist, basically, the McNair family is and the Houston Texans. And they were clearing out Lovey Smith to hire a white coach. The guy's an idiot. He's a complete idiot. We'll play it for you at some point today. Uh, I want to get to Armando and Brady Uh, But the guy's an idiot. Third straight African-American coach. That's who the Texans have hired. So every little race-baiting grifter idiot that you see on any of these shows on race-baiting grifter 
ESPN. Guess what? Uh, they're all full of crap. They all want to get involved in dividing. They all want to get involved in being a social justice warrior. Why? Because it pays to be a social justice warrior. So this idiot, you will see no retraction because idiots don't give retractions. Uh, idiots don't give retractions. Idiots don't do anything. So, you know, and other idiots, Dennis Dodd, what's bigger right now, Beyonce or Brady News? No, I don't know. I don't know. You know, one of the things about writers, they're idiots, and they try to be, I don't know, they try to be uh, clever. And they never are because they're dorks. But anyway, at the end of the day, uh, Tom Brady retires, and Tom Brady goes to bed knowing every night, every night, that he gave everything he had. And that's got to be a great feeling. I don't feel that way about my college career. I wish I did. I don't. I don't feel that way. I, 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 I don't. I screwed around too much, messed around too much. But Brady gets to go to bed knowing, knowing, ladies and gentlemen, that he gave it everything that he had. Now, people say, well, he'll be back. No, he won't. No, no, he won't. No. Mm -mm. I, if he comes back, then look, I'll watch. I want him to come back. I want him to come back because, well, frankly, I like watching him. Derek Jeter, congratulations, Tom Brady. On an unbelievable career. It was fun to watch. You know what I like about Jeter? Jeter went and was the owner of the Marlins. And once he left being owner of the Marlins or part owner or partial owner, now he's on every commercial. Good for Derek Jeter. He learned. I don't want to deal with idiot players. I don't want to deal with those dudes that sit around, take their Adderall, smoke weed all day. That's what baseball players do. Every baseball guy that I know says, man, most of the baseball players you see sit around, take their Adderall, smoke weed, play video games. You know, do that. Make some Subway commercials, Jeets, and away you go. Uh, now the question becomes, you all like Greg Olson a lot more than I do. I'm not going to lie to you. I get it, and I'm not going to say anything bad. We're on the same network. But you all like Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson is very good. I think Greg Olson is fine, actually, is what I would say. But I want to see Tom Brady in the booth. Yeah, I know Greg Olson is like the nicest guy in America. Like, I know that he, as a player, was terrific. I know that, you know, he had some challenges with his kids. So every media guy loves Greg Olson. But I want to see Tom Brady in the booth. With all due respect to Greg Olson, uh, Greg Olson does a game. It's a game. It's a good game. He does a nice job. But I want to see that. I want to see Tom Brady. Tom Brady has said he's going to rip folks. I want to see Tom Brady rip folks, don't you? I want to see Tom Brady get after it. I want to see Tom Brady. I want to hear the thoughts of the GOAT. Like I said, great. This is not a slight on Greg Olson. You all think he's the greatest. You all think he's bad. I don't. I think he's fine. It's good. Nice guy. Good guy. Really good. But Greg Olson, to me, if you say, okay, Greg Olson is out, I'd say good. Well, I'd say he's not out. He's going to do games, but I'd say I want to hear Tom Brady. Don't you? Seriously. I'm going to the YouTube chat. Don't you want to hear Tom Brady? Like, like. You know, again, no slight. 
I mean, it's the same company. So you're always going to have, like, hey, one's working for Fox, the other's going to work for Fox. I know people are telling, I watch games, I study announcers, I have since I was 10. Olsen is fine. He's all right. But Brady's Tom Brady. Give me Tom Brady and give him to me as quick as you can. If he signed that deal for all that money, then do yourself a favor, Tom. Get going right now. Don't call USF, USFL games, though. Don't do it. You got to stay above that. All right, Armando Sangara joins us. Uh, Tom Brady retiring. I know, you know, some of the little NFL media guys are being cute, and they're saying, oh, this means you'll be in Miami and all that. Whatever. Uh, when you heard it this morning, what did you think? I was sad. Um, not, not thrilled. Because the NFL is diminished now. It's lessened. The greatest of all time has moved on. And it's for real this time. Uh, he's not coming back. That was pretty obvious from his somber tone and demeanor during his, you know, video. He's thought about this the last two weeks, Dan, and it wasn't a decision of, am I going to keep playing and where do I go? It was a decision of, do I return to the Buccaneers or go on to other things outside of football? And so the fact that he's not going to play anymore, it, it doesn't make me happy. I don't think it should make any NFL fan happy. Um, and it turns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into, you know, back to what they were before he arrived, which is uh, a middling, you know, trying to get above water franchise. Think about that. Before Tom Brady arrived in Tampa in 2020, they were seven and nine in 2019. And he shows up and they win the Super Bowl. If you need any sort of perspective and any sort of idea of what Tom Brady means, that's it right there. You're not good. You're under 500 without him. He shows up, you win the Super Bowl. Case closed. You know, I see when the when the Colts were a couple years ago, and Brady was available, uh, and I know it's a weird deal when they come to the Colts, and, and I'll talk about that later on. But I said this, Armando. I said, look, all these quarterbacks, Philip Rivers at the time, they're great. That's wonderful, yay rah. But when Brady walks into the building, given Brady's history, he elevates the entire building. You sit up a little straighter. You pay a little bit more attention. It's just what you do. And I think not only was his play, his play was terrific with Tampa Bay, but he walked in and immediately it elevated that place to your point. He walked in and he brought friends with him, by the way, because he walked in and then he got to the found a phone and called uh, Gronkowski, who had been retired, and now Gronkowski walks in. And when Leonard Fournette got waived by Jacksonville, he called Leonard Fournette, and he walked in. And then the following season, 
when Richard Sherman uh, was on the street and the Bucks needed cornerbacks, uh, Brady called him and he walked in. The point <laughs> is, everybody else knows if Tom Brady is on the team and he calls you, it's because he thinks you you can help him win a Super Bowl. And everybody likes winning Super Bowls. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Tom because it increases my chances of winning what? A Super Bowl, which he won more of than anybody. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC now? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it Jalen Hurts? I mean, who's the best quarterback here? Wow. I, I, I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, look, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know. Let me put it to you this way. Here's why I asked that question. I asked that question because I heard, I was listening, I was watching Carton's show here, and James Jones is on, and he's doing a really good job. And James Jones, this is not today, this is yesterday or maybe the day before, he was talking about how bad Brady was this year. And I'm thinking to myself, that's an easy statement to make, but if you actually watched Brady, he's pretty good. I mean, he threw the ball pretty good. This is not a guy that left uh, the game at, you know, with us feeling sorry for diminished skills. Let's put it that way. I would argue Brady was great this year, and this is why I say that. He played quarterback without an offensive line. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost their starting left guard uh, to retirement. They lost their starting right guard to free agency. And on the second day of training camp, they lost their starting center to a knee injury. Then their two tackles uh, played poorly all year. That's a bad, that's a bad combination of issues <laughs> happening in front of yes. Tom Brady. Okay? Yeah. So without an offensive line to speak of, Tom Brady put that team on his shoulders decided I'm going to change the way that I play so that I can survive the season. I'm going to get rid of the ball quicker. I'm going to, you know, Oh, did I mention the bucks had the 32nd ranked running game in the NFL. So with that offensive line, the running game disappeared Protection disappeared, and yet Tom Brady took that team to the playoffs. And yeah, they were under 500 ultimately. Guess what happened in the one or two games that the offensive line played well? Tom Brady bombed away and, and scored a lot of points. In the other games that the offensive line played like you, me, and two producers and uh, the next show hosts, uh, he struggled and had to change his game totally. That was not the narrative out there. The narrative was 
Tom Brady isn't producing like he has in the past. Tom Brady is getting rid of the ball quickly. Well, yeah, he didn't have an offensive line. It, yeah, that's true. But it's not because Tom Brady lost it or was diminished. Tom Brady was dealing with the situation that he was dealt with, uh, that he was dealt, the cards that he was dealt, and he was making chicken salad out of chicken bleep. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I, I, I really paid attention this year to Tom Brady. I'm not going to lie. I, I really did. I figured this is going to be his last year. And I'm looking around before the season. I'm looking, and there's hurt, and there's retired, and I'm like, well, they're not even going to make the playoffs. Now, I, I'm with you. Okay, the division was what it was, but other younger guys had a chance to win the division too. I mean, Mariota coming over to, to Atlanta had a chance uh, to win the division. Let me, let me ask you, um, Tom Brady, 10 Super Bowls. So you always say, you know, all right, who's next, right? It seems to me, if you're going to say who's next, the answer is probably nobody, seven rings, 10 Super Bowls. But if there was, I feel like Mahomes is the guy because, well, he's in another Super Bowl, right? He's on a team that seems to be dynamic. It, Armando, I always say this, when a coach gets fired and he's kind of a liked coach, people say, oh, man, that's terrible. That stinks. That's awful. Okay, who's next? Who, you know what I mean? But it seems to me when people are going to debate that, you got a guy right in front of you and Patrick Mahomes who's done a lot. Right, and done a lot. He's gone to five consecutive AFC championship right. games. Um, you know, and this will be, I believe, his uh, third or his fourth Super Bowl. So, and the reason he didn't win another one was because who beat him? Tom Brady. And so. Right. Right. I mean, I, I just, I get a kick. I, like People say, well, there's nobody. Well, wait a second. This guy is right here in front of you playing in an organization. That's really good. All right. I got to ask you about coaching hires. I just saw this. Uh, 2023 first round pick, 2024 second round pick. Saints give up a 2024 third round pick and between 17 to 20 million Sean Payton is going to get to coach the damn Denver Broncos and D'Amico Rines goes uh, to the Texans. What are your thoughts on both? He gets a six-year deal, Rines does. Give me your thoughts on coaching hires and fit. Well, you remember when the Texans fired Lovey Smith and there was people out there that said, well, this is the second black coach in a row where they give one year to, to, to work and yeah. then they fire him. Black coaches are going to boycott the Houston Texans. No, no, they're not. And you know why they're not? Because it's one of 32 opportunities. And if the Houston Texans give you an opportunity to be their head coach and you think you're any then the last guy, you take the contract, you take the team. They're going to have a bunch of draft picks, including, uh, I believe, the second overall pick. You're going to get a quarterback. You're going to get a chance to succeed. 
And in some respects, the history with, you know, Lovey Smith and David Cully before you works in your favor because it would look really bad if they fire three consecutive black coaches after one year. So D'Amico Ryans did the right thing. He saw the best opportunity that he could. He, he played for the Houston Texans. He's going to bring a good defense to the Texans. They had a pretty fair one this year, by the way. And when he gets some added talent, that guy's going to do some damage. And so on his, on his points, good for him. Homecoming, and don't worry about the social justice warrior saying, don't do this because you're black. No, do this because you're good. And, and that's it. As far as Sean Payton, his job is one thing and one thing more than anything, and that is fix Russell Wilson. And if he can fix Russell Wilson and make Russell Wilson play like he played when he was in Seattle and produce like when he was in Seattle, the the Denver Broncos are going to be okay. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett didn't have it in him, couldn't find it. It didn't work out. Russell Wilson is a diminished player. He is not the same guy he was eight or even five years ago. But, you know, Sean Payton is going to get arguably more money than any other head coach in the NFL to address that. And he has experience with a short, older quarterback in Drew Brees. And that was productive. And Drew Brees' arm was shot the last couple of years. So if he can do it with Russell Wilson, that team will, will be relevant. You know, I, I do want to get to the Broncos real quick. Um, Russell Wilson was always a guy. I always said I, 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 you don't bet against Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady late. I always thought, you know, um, a guy can lose it in a year. But more than anything, a guy can lose interest. A guy can lose, you know, Tom, what made Tom Brady great was a singular focus. So what, made, what made Peyton Manning great, singular focus, that kind of thing. I don't know that that – I coached a long time, and I don't know that's the easiest thing to correct or not. But I do think this, Armando, I do think at some point Russell Wilson's pride has to kick in because players don't live in vacuums. Would you agree with that? They hear the criticism, and you have a choice. Accept it? Eh, or be fueled by it, and if Russell Wilson's fueled by it, it's a real opportunity for two guys that have been out. You know, Sean Payton, all of a sudden, he got fired or let go or quit or whatever. He wasn't successful his last couple years. Right. So with Russell Wilson, you mentioned the fall off the table in one year. That's exactly what happened. I'm not sure that it was because – you know, he got a big contract or he was going to the Oscars or the Emmys or whatever those shows are with his, you know, superstar wife, Ciara. Um, I think it was his legs that betrayed him. He doesn't have the same explosion out of those legs. That affects his ability to run. That affects his ability to throw. That affects his, uh, his accuracy. And so I don't know that you can regain that. Uh, and, and I don't know what the, what, what the mechanism is for finding that again 
because you can't go back in time. So I don't know how Sean uh, Payton is going to fix that, but it's pretty common knowledge among NFL people that Russell Wilson, it's not his arm, it's not his work ethic, it's not his, his anything other than his legs. And so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, you, you know, father time's a mother, as they say. I mean, legs are the first to go, man. I mean, if you ever follow boxing, it's always, it's always the legs. All right, last, last thing, because this is going to be asked. I 1,000% agree we've seen the last of Tom Brady, and I'm with you. I'm not happy. Will there be, like, I don't know. You know in the offseason in the NFL, there's always going to be every other day Mike McCarthy's getting fired. Will there be Tom Brady uh, rumors, thoughts, sightings? We're going to have to listen to that all offseason, or is this final in everybody's mind? Well, I think it's final in Tom Brady's mind. By the way, if you saw that video, he wasn't happy. That that was no. a very som- somber, uh, not not a celebration of a career. That was a a a short and unhappy goodbye. Um, and that makes me sad, man. I mean, look. I interviewed Tom Brady when I was working for ESPN in in sep- what was it October of twenty twenty of twenty oh one, and that dude was electric in an interview. Okay, and I thought, wow, this kid, he's he's got something. And guess what? <laughs> he did. He had something. That's a different man that we saw today on that on that fifty second video. That's a guy that has dealt with some stuff in the last year, particularly, and I wouldn't say just professionally. Uh, I think we all know what's going on with him in his private life, sort of. We have the the general picture. I think it wouldn't surprise if he's dealt with a lot more stuff than just than that and connected to that, and that's part of the reason he's going. I agree. Well said. Thanks, Armando. Appreciate you, my man. There he is, Armando Segura. Off he goes, as my friend Billy or Mark Packer says. All right, we come back and ESPN idiot did what ESPN idiots do. What is that, you asked? Well, race bait, grift, and he was proven dead wrong, and I can't wait to show it to you. Also, the beloved Indiana Hoosiers got their brains beat out in Maryland. I didn't like that. We've got, well, we've got What the Hell Wednesday coming up, and we're going to get reaction from Indianapolis. You know, it was always Peyton against Brady. Indy, New England. Indy couldn't beat New England until Marlon Jackson got an interception. We'll talk to Hammer Time coming up at the top of the hour. We come back, just another grifter at ESPN making an idiot of himself. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Ladies and gentlemen, there would be no ESPN debate shows if we didn't have race-baiting grifters. And some guy named David Dennis, he says he's an indie best-selling author of The Movement Made Us. He's a writer at Anscape, black and everything in full. Formerly, the undefeated Anscape is a... Um, 
uh, I don't know, it's the black ESPN, whatever. So we're going to play what this idiot, uh, look, you got to understand, everybody's trying to get in on Colin Kaepernick money. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody's trying to get in on social justice because there's money there. There's fame there. There's popularity. Give a great take on ESPN. You're thinking maybe you could be the next Stephen A. Smith. Maybe you can be the next guy on CNN. Well, this guy, whoever he is, David Dennis Jr., went on ESPN yesterday. Uh, whatever this show is, it's been on a while. I forget what it is. But he gives a absolute, uninformed, ridiculous, just make it up. And you'll hear it if you can, if you can understand what people are really saying based on how they say it. You'll see that this guy, David Dennis Jr., has no idea. He's just making things up as he goes along. He's talking about uh, how racist, I guess, the Houston Texas, uh, Texans are and how they've cleared out two African-American coaches to hire a white coach, which obviously didn't happen because David Dennis Jr. doesn't know his ass from third base. So let's hear from David Dennis Jr. Let's make him popular. Yeah, I'm going to focus on the Texans here. This is why there's so much skepticism about hiring black coaches in the NFL. This is the second, Lovey Smith, the second coach in a row for the Texans that was fired after the first year without much, you know, equipment to do anything with that team. There was a dead-end job. And we know that McNair did not really want Lovey Smith for that job. He wanted Josh McCown and they picked Lovey Smith because of the Brian Flores lawsuit and so now you get to hire the uh the coach that you want probably josh mccown with the new quarterback coming up and you get to give him years and years because you say you're developing somebody new meanwhile the black coaches got kicked off the uh, organization yeah he's just stupid i mean he can't you know the equipment got kicked off the organization I mean, look, and then the idiot to his left, George Sedano, is just as bad. He doesn't know his ass. I did a game with him on ESPN uh, in the summer league, and he's like a cheerleader. But this guy here, the equipment? Now, they had plenty of equipment. This guy's just making stuff up. So what happens? Well, guess what happens? The Miko Rhines. Oh, by the way, David Dennis Jr. Uh, is a black guy. Got hired. Six years. See, guys just say stupid. Stupid people say stupid things. And I, I don't know that this guy's stupid. He's stupid in this instance. And I'm sure that makes me a racist because we're not, we want, uh, what's the right word? We want equal but special. If a white dude had said this, I'd be saying the same thing. This guy had no idea, none, zero, zip, what he was talking about. Had no basis for it. And he was unprepared to speak here. Like this in this little show here is the final round. Me against you. Stupid against dumb. And next thing you know, this guy's just talking. No preparation. No understanding of what's actual. No idea of what is to come. But he gets on ESPN. And this guy is typical. I mean, we've seen Jalen Rose talk about unarmed men when they were armed. Dead people when they were alive. We've seen it for years and years and years on ESPN. So it's just another race, race baiting grifter that won't be called out by anybody. Tony Reale is so stupid in this show that he's giving this guy points. That's how this show uh, bases itself. You know, nothing to see here, just a whole lot of stupid, but it is funny. And I do think people need to be called out on this. 
And can we get the guy off the screen? Because you can tell in his eyes, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He's just mad and he's talking. People used to call my show and I'm like, all right, slow down. All right, let's show something from a couple professionals. Now, the debate over who was going to coach what, here it is. The rivalry we didn't know we needed. Unbelievable, Ian Rappaport says. The Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again today before the re- he, they recommitted or before he recommitted to the Texans. When he agreed to terms with the Texans, they moved on and finalized Sean Payton. Now, I would believe Ian Rappaport, I'll tell you why in a minute. So here's what Adam Schefter said. Timing of today's two hires was completely coincidental. Broncos were, bare, were zeroed in on Payton. Didn't make any contact this week with Ryans or his agent. Denver was focused on Payton and Houston on Ryans. Now let me tell you why I know based on what I know about these two guys, that Ian Rappaport is 1,000% right. Here's why. Adam Schefter will never, ever do anything, anything, to make anybody that he needs look bad. And this makes, frankly, Sean Payton look bad, if you believe Ian Rappaport's report. Schefter, little scrappy, is the guy that understands the business. The business of Adam Schefter isn't to be accurate. The business of Adam Schefter isn't to be anything other than kissing the backside of those he needs. So little Shefty can go on a show with his little phone and his little hands and his little mouth and talk little. Rappaport's telling you probably what happened here. Rappaport's sitting there going, look, this is the deal. Shefty's protecting Sean Payton. Who's the better? What's the better business model? I'll tell you the better business model. The better business model is little Shefty, little scrappy. He's a scrappy guy. When he jumps up, yay. All right, so let's talk about what actually happened yesterday. The Broncos hired Sean Payton as the head coach. The, tra- the Denver Broncos are going to trade 2023 first round, 2024 second round to the Saints. Saints are giving up a 2024 third rounder. So there you go. Now, we already showed you. We already showed you DeMarco, what's his face? DeMarco Ryans. I forgot his name there for a minute. I know we're not allowed to. Do we have any other video that we're supposed to show? We got Davids out there. Do we have the NFL hate memes video? I know I screwed up the order. Huh? That's what I thought. I thought, yeah, I thought so. Uh, There you go. So the dominoes are starting to fall, and we sit here, me in my John Fetterman outfit, you at home in Indianapolis, and we swear to God that we're going to be left with Jeff Saturday. We swear we're going to. And I got to tell you, that wouldn't be great. It'd be great for Jeff Saturday. He gets a chance to resume his sorry eye-talking ass. But, hey, what are you going to do? Victoria Azarenka. I love Victoria Azarenka. People are starting to wise up. Athletes are starting to look at these media twerps and go, what are you doing? Why are you trying to spin your agenda on me? 
You know, every little media twerp now, again, just like David Dennis Jr. or Daryl Dennis Jr., whatever the hell his name is, everyone wants to be a social justice warrior. Here in Indianapolis, we've got our little friend, Greg Doyle, who rips people, rips Jeff Sa- and then says, oh, it's all about humanity. No, it's all about dumbassery. But anyway, so athletes are starting to figure this out. Let's hear the exchange between this lovely, wonderful, awesome tennis player and some JAG reporter trying to push her political views onto Azarenka. I, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it. Like, talk about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know what's, what's the goal here that um, is continuously brought up and uh, these incidents that in my opinion, have nothing to do with players, but somehow you keep dragging players into it. So what's the goal here? I think you should ask yourself that question, not me. Does it, just, sorry, just to clarify on that though, does it frustrate you that, um, you know, particularly last night, for example, it was a clear sort of pro-Russian demonstration happening within the grounds of the tournament that these people are coming and using the Australian Open as a platform for this, these kind of demonstrations? Does that frustrate you? Oh. I... Whatever the answer I'm going to give it to you right now, it's going to be turned whichever way you want to turn it to. So does it bother me? What bothers me is um, there's real things that's going on in the world. And I don't know, are you a politician? Are you? Are you covering politics? No, I'm a sports journalist. Yes, and I'm a sports, and I'm an athlete. And you're asking me about things that maybe somebody says are in my control, but I don't believe that. So I don't know what you want me to answer. And if it's a provocative question, then, you know, you can, you can spin the story however you want. That is so good. That is so good because more athletes should do that. More athletes should absolutely do that because that is exactly right. That is 1,000% right. When you get into, whether it's politics or something about somebody else, uh, it is so right. They will spin the story however they want. It could, could not be more. I mean, could not be more right about that. Victoria Azarenka is <clears throat> absolutely right about this. See, more athletes should not give these idiots. More athletes should not. Like, you think a media guy is on your side because he writes a little article about you. He's not. I've said nice things about Chris Ballard, and then as things go on, I'm like, yeah, well, I was wrong. Don't do it, athletes. Don't do it in a second. So smart, so true. Yay, rah. Political agendas of reporters. Now, you got to understand, reporters are stone idiots. This is a soapbox of mine. They are dumbasses. 
I mean, the local beat writer, the local lady that asked, listen to the questions these men and women ask. They are idiots. They are crumb-filled, pizza-stained morons. But yet, somehow, some way, they got a pen and paper, and people actually think that they know something. Oh, man. Don't pay. I mean, we got the creeper here. <laughs> You're going to be Mr. Basketball. This guy, Doyle, walked up to a player in his uniform, Braden Smith, walking off of his high school game. You got some weird dudes in the media, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of weird dudes, Michael Jordan has made more money in the last year than all his years combined. Now, let me explain this to you. If Michael Jordan calls you to get in a business deal, you say yes. If Michael Jordan calls you to play golf, he still owes me six grand from a golf match in 1984. He's a welch. But that's all right. According to front office sports, listen to this. Jordan brand from Nike made Jordan brand 5.1 billion last year. His agent, David Falk and his negotiating skills years ago said that Jordan gets 5% of annual earnings. That means he made 256.1 million last year alone. Jordan made only, I'm going to say $90 million throughout his 50, 15 year career. Think about that. Think about how smart that is. He made $256 million. Think about, like, next time you see some idiot bazillionaire that has 80 million cars, 72 gold chains, and you hear about him being broke. I'm not sure I've ever seen Michael Jordan wear anything but maybe one gold chain. Mm. Uh, this is, I don't, I don't know what to make of this. This just lessens the Pro Bowl. Maybe this is a diversity thing. I don't know. But quarterback Tyler Hunley of the Baltimore Ravens was selected to the Pro Bowl after Josh Allen went out and played golf. Huntley threw more interceptions, three than touchdowns in six games. He threw two touchdowns while filling in for Lamar Jackson. You know what's going to happen, don't you? You do, right? You know that people are going to watch. They are. The pe people are going to watch the living hell out of the Pro Bowl. They always do. I've told you this before. Pro Bowl, and I don't know what these numbers mean, I just know what they are, gets a 10 rating. 10 is huge. The biggest college basketball game, Duke, North Carolina, gets a three, maybe. So people say, I don't watch the Pro Bowl. Yeah, you do. Now this year, you know what? I'm starting to get Manning fatigue. We got flag football playing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure this will be as watched. We got flag football. Man, I tell you what, NFL, just don't play. Like, don't actually play the games. Years ago, Danny Munson was the head coach at Gonzaga. I was the head coach at Bowling Green. Gonzaga was really good. We were really good. Danny calls me. He goes, hey, let's play a home-and-home -home series but not play the games. I said, what do you mean? He goes, ah, we'll say it's a home-and-home -home series. We'll send out a press release that we beat you at our place, 82-78. We'll send out a box score, and then next year we'll send out 82-78. You won the game at your place. Obviously, he wasn't serious. He was being funny, but that's what the NFL has become. We don't want kickoffs. We don't want extra points. We don't want punts. We don't want this. We don't want to play. We don't want that. Blah, 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 blah. Pro Bowl is too physical. Pro Bowl is too this. We don't care. About, uh, it just gives you a headache. It just gives you a headache. All right? It just does. 
So we shall see what we shall see. This is a rarity and a stupid move. Ryan Grubb, the Washington <clears throat> offensive coordinator, turned down an offer from Nick Saban to be the uh, offensive coordinator at Alabama. That's dumb. Now I'm just telling you that's dumb. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's great. You get Michael Penix at Washington. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is, look, if you go to Nick Saban, you eventually become a head coach, and you don't become a head coach at Bowling Green. You become a head coach where? I don't know, South Carolina, Georgia. You become a big-time head coach. Hey, the guy over there in Washington's doing nice things, but is he going to be any good when Michael Penix leaves? I don't know. Nick Saban, high pressure. Nick Saban, crush your soul. Nick Saban, every day you got to bring it. Nick Saban, you might get embarrassed on national TV like Lane Kiffin and others, but you got to go work for Nick Saban. It's like when I was a kid and coming out of high school, a couple friends of mine said, why don't you go play at Butler? You play all the time. Why play at Indiana? And I said, well, very simply, because Indiana's the best, and I want to challenge myself with and against the best. Doesn't that make sense? So this guy will be lauded, Ryan Grubb. I think he's a dumbass. I think he's a fool. What are you doing? Do you want to challenge yourself against the best? You you know, here's the deal. When a guy like Nick Saban offers you a job, the next word is, hey, look, you go to the end of the line now for me to hire you again. And it's a very, very, very long line. All right, Indiana. Indiana, Indianapolis, Tom Brady, New England, Huge rival. Always respect, except, except when deflate gate happened. When deflate gate happened, and it's something that absolutely had to happen, Ryan Grigson had no choice in the matter when he learned the information on Tom Brady. Could you imagine if Ryan Grigson, the general manager of the Colts at that time, got information that Tom Brady was deflating footballs and sat on it and they lost? Can you imagine? Like, all the little slaps in the media have gotten on Grigson for, you know, doing what he should do, turn the whole thing in, but that's because they're media slaps. I don't know if you're new to the show. I think you probably understand that I have a very small, very little regard for the media as media. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk about it. So, we're sitting here, Indiana, Peyton Manning, New England, Tom Brady, Clash of the Titans, If you can go, you can go look this up. The dumbest NFL play ever was by Chuck Pagano on a fake punt against New England. Look it up. Maybe we'll get a clip. It's the stupidest clip you're ever going to see, particularly when you realize that they hiked the ball. Big rival. Jason Hammer has been in the middle of this. Jason Hammer is the host of the number one afternoon show. In the country, ladies and gentlemen, is Hammer and Nigel, as voted on by Barrett Sports Media and PDs, program directors all around the country. We're going to get into Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, New England, and we'll talk a little bit politics. We'll talk a little bit about the demise last night, not forever, they got a chance to bounce back, of Indiana basketball when we come back. Hammer time next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Brady retired today, and I believe Tom Brady is going to stay retired. Now, I know I've listened to all the little media slaps, the little writers. Well, this means he's going to Miami. Shut up. 
Tom Brady retired. If he does, if he unretires, we'll deal with it then. You know, in Indianapolis, it was always Dungy, Belichick, Brady, Manning, uh, Pagano against his own ridiculous brain with the dumbest fake punt ever. <laughs> uh, but before, before we get to Jason Allen Hammer, the number one news talk host in the country, three to six on, ladies and gentlemen, WIBC. I want your reaction to this, Jason Allen Hammer, from the Babylon Bee. I think you'll see where they're going here. Biden promises I- to replace retired quarterback Tom Brady with a woman of color. There you go. There you go. There's our beloved ridiculous president. There he is. Uh, You can't laugh at that. You can't laugh because it could be uh, something Joe Biden would say. You can't even laugh. You're almost laughing more at Biden than you are at the joke. Totally agree. One thousand percent agree. All right. From an indie perspective, when you heard that this morning, what'd you think? I thought that if I were Dak Prescott and I was the last guy to serve Tom Brady and L, I would walk around shirtless. I would have that tattooed on my chest for all the hell, for all the crap that Dak Prescott takes in Dallas, whether it's warranted or not. You were the one that drove Tom Brady into retirement. I think that's got to be something. Uh, Number two, Uh the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's sacrilege to say that here in Indianapolis because it's Peyton Manning country. But Tom Brady in his prime was just a winner. He was a bad dude. Prime Tom Brady, like Peyton, could make stars out of everyday average players. You have a scrappy slot receiver. You have a tight end. He will put you in the Pro Bowl. And that's what the great ones do. And unfortunately for Peyton, Tom Brady had more big moments in big games. Even the Super Bowl that Peyton Manning won here in Indianapolis, he didn't play really well in that. He was given the MVP because he was Peyton Manning. Anybody that watches that game knows the MVP for the Colts was probably Dominic Rhodes, the running back that game, or Rex Grossman, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Those were the reasons that the Colts won that Super Bowl. So, look, you know, it's easy to hate on the dude from Spygate to Deflategate. There's a bunch of unnecessary crap that he didn't need to do to win. But who would you rather have in their prime, down six, one timeout? It's hard to go against number 12. You know, I'm going to take the football part out for right now. I'll get to that because you're absolutely right, Tom Brady with the football. But he's a little Eddie Haskell-ish. This dude's been involved in some crap, right? You're talking about Deflategate. All of a sudden, they, you know, they, he gets suspended. All of a sudden, he is involved in the Miami Dolphins and illegal where the Miami Dolphins. He's got some Eddie Haskell in him, Tom Brady does. Hi, Mrs. Cleaver, while he's trying to stup her. <laughs> Listen, you find me an NFL player that doesn't have a little baggage on him, I'll give you a million dollars in cash. Everybody's got a little something going on, whether it's money they took in college, whether it's showing your butt cheeks to a trainer, whether it's anything, right? Everybody's got a little bit of baggage on them. Um, And honestly, how much of that do you put on Brady and how much do you put on Bill Belichick? Because Belichick was the mastermind of all this. Before Tom Brady reached GOAT status, my man was videotaping practices like he was running his own reality show. So again, I'm not, you know, the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world. I know it's coming off like I am here, but uh, I don't know if you could put all of that on Brady. 
I think a lot of that goes on the evil emperor. Um, when you looked at the rivalry between Peyton, and you mentioned this, Peyton, you know, didn't beat him very often. Brady and the organization got the best of Dungey and got the best of, Bra of Manning, but I think it's one of the great rivalries in the history of the NFL. I do, even though uh, our city lost most of the time. It is, and it was two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Just because you say, or I say, Tom Brady is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, doesn't mean that Peyton Manning is not in the conversation here, okay? It's like when you used to watch in the NBA, Magic against Larry Bird in the 80s. All right, you know, one guy's going to win the MVP. You can make a case for them being the best player in the league, but that doesn't mean the other guy isn't any good. Uh, these were two legends that were going at it, and I will say this, if you're looking for moments, it really wasn't a Super Bowl per se, but Peyton Manning in that 2006 AFC Championship game, coming back, rallying, throwing touchdown passes to offensive linemen, having that big comeback to beat the Patriots to get to that first Super Bowl. And then Peyton, as an individual, having more success, probably with the Broncos against the Patriots, than he had when he was the Colts quarterback. Uh, the rivalry's there. The rivalry exists. Um, one thing that I hear all the time, and Coach, I know you've heard this too, if you did role reversal, if you put Tom Brady on those Indianapolis Colts teams that had Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, uh, Dallas Clark, Edger and James for a couple of years in the backfield, would they have won more than what Peyton did? And if you gave Peyton that squad they had with the Patriots that had Randy Moss at wideout and those guys, would things be any different? I don't know if they would or not. It's a fun discussion to have. But just because one dude has got all the rings, had more moments in big games, doesn't mean that the other guy's a bum by any means of the imagination. No, I totally agree with that. I, I, I do. And I think sometimes in our world, you know, everybody becomes a bum if you're not that guy. I mean, look, uh, uh, the, the one sport that people do give others respect, everybody says Michael Jordan's the greatest, but also my, uh, Larry Bird, a bad man. You know, Magic Johnson, a bad man. Kareem, a bad man. I think sometimes in football, uh, we're silly. I do think this. I do think when people have said today, we'll never see another like him. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I don't. But I do know 10 Super Bowls, seven rings. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes, five straight years in the AFC championship game, still really relatively young based on what quarterbacks do. I don't think we'll see another Brady, but I do think we're seeing Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes as a Brady-Manning type moving forward. Look at that AFC right now. Like, yeah, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, but it's not like Josh Allen stinks. It's not like, you know, Trevor Lawrence isn't coming into his own and Justin Herbert starting to come into their own. They finally got a dose of playoff football this past year. Herbert put up 27 points, had a 27-point lead. They got beat. I don't necessarily think that was his fault. And Trevor Lawrence, my man, came back from 27 down, and then they had a game against the Chiefs where they certainly didn't embarrass themselves on the road. Like, if you're one of these teams in the AFC, if you're the Colts right now, or if you're the Titans, you got to be asking yourself, who are we going to bring in that we're even going to compete for the next 10 years or so? And with Patrick Mahomes, I've made this comparison on the air, and I want you to follow me, Coach, because the music genre might be a little bit out of your era, but I think it makes sense here. Patrick Mahomes is Dr. Dre. Because when Dr. Dre was with NWA, 
He had the songwriting. He was the DJ. He was the guy. He launched himself into stardom. He had nothing but a G thing. He had all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, here come these young up-and-coming rappers, and they're taking shots. They're saying that it's their time. But lo and behold, Dr. Dre comes out with still Dre to remind everybody he's still the shot caller, and he's making the money. And that's Patrick Mahomes right now. He's 27. It's not like he forgot how to play or he's a couple years away from a wheelchair and a nursing home. Patrick Mahomes is still a bad man. And I get everybody loves Joe Burrow and everybody loves, you know, Justin Herbert and these quarterbacks in the AFC. But the OG of this thing right now is still Patrick Mahomes. The championship goes through Kansas City in the AFC. I totally agree. I, I, I totally, completely agree. You know, we all, we're always looking for that. You know, a few years ago, getting back to Brady, I remember I'm doing a show and people are, Colts are looking for a quarterback. And I said, look, here's the deal. You bring in Tom Brady, it elevates the entire building. You got to sit up a little straighter. I think I said it on your show. You got you to gotta work because he's just, his, his status says you have to live up to me. He doesn't have to live up to the, quote, horseshoe or any of that horse bleep. I love, And I think he did that. I think he did that when he went to Tampa Bay. Now, he brought in Gronk. He got Fournette. He got others. But he elevated the whole thing, I thought, and won a Super Bowl. He went away from Bill Belichick, and the first year, the first year he got to the Super Bowl and won the damn thing. And what has Bill Belichick done since then? Everybody calls him the genius, but without Tom Brady, you start to see more of the Bill Belichick that was fired by the Browns than you do the evil genius that was uh, the head of this monster for over a decade here. I'm not saying Bill Belichick's bad coach. He's really good. But having Tom Brady on your team makes a lot of people look really good. And there's a lot of teams looking for head coaches and coordinators right now. And the thing that always cracks me up, is when you pull an offensive coordinator from a team that has a really good quarterback. Yeah, the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, he's getting interviewed by the Colts. He's getting all these interviews. Would he be getting interviews for being an offensive genius if they still had Andy Dalton as their quarterback? You know, it's funny. Nathaniel Hackett was the greatest hire ever, the greatest offensive coordinator ever. Guess who his quarterback was in Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers, to your point. Let me ask you. Uh, you're a Colts fan. You go to Colts games. You 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 got You talk about the Colts on your show, Hammer Time. Uh, who are they going to hire? Is it going to be Jeff Saturday? It smells like Jeff Saturday. You can't rule it out. You cannot rule that out right now. And I don't know if that's embarrassing or what. Because and I hate saying that because I've met Jeff and he's been a good dude to me. And he's a guy I could sit down and pound some beers, eat some wings, and he'll talk football and tell dirty jokes. He's one of those dudes. But one and seven is one and seven. One and seven with giving up the biggest lead in the history of the NFL. It's one and seven with mismanaging the clock over and over again. Just because you're a nice dude doesn't mean you need to have that job. I'm a hell of a nice guy. I don't need to be a brain surgeon. Nobody wants me in the operating room. And I don't think people want Jeff Saturday coaching this team right now but because Jim Ursay is so romantic about those glory years of the Indianapolis Colts, the Super Bowl runs, and all that kind of stuff, you can't rule it out. 
Carly Ursay Gordon is wearing a headset on the sideline in the head coach's meeting. See, to me, as a former coach, that might as well be Jimmy Ursay in these meetings. They're saying Chris Ballard's going to make the hire, but let's be honest, the owner slash daughter uh, is in the meetings. And Hammer, we're seeing, all right, some dominoes are falling. Sean Payton, D'Amico Rines. I mean, it, it just smells like Saturday. Just does. It's, it does. He's definitely got a shot. I think Raheem Morris is in the running as well. But this is a Colts team that has to hire offensively. They need an identity offensively. You can bring in a new head coach. Most likely you're going to have a rookie quarterback in the mix. So you can tie those two together. You can handcuff them. You got a new coach, new quarterback. They're going to grow Indianapolis Colts football up together. I think it's got to be an offensive coach because – what they've done the last couple of years, run the damn ball, as the mantra has been for the Colts, and having a good defense, hasn't been able to win you the division in the worst division in football. The Colts won one division game last year in a division that includes the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jags and the Tennessee Titans, who were a shell of themselves this year. One division game. The defense was okay, but one, it's not going to put butts in seats. Jim is not going to like that. And you're going to have to compete. Look at the AFC. Look at those quarterbacks. You're going to have to find a young dude, no matter who it is, whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's Will Levis, whether it's C.J. Stroud. Find your guy, hit your wagon to him, and just cross your fingers. He's got an upside to match everybody else in that conference. Uh, why is our president, I'm going to shift it for the next three minutes because I know you got to run. Why is our president tweeting constantly? Because, and I'm going to say this as delicately as I can, he's a moron. Uh, Joe Biden is not a smart man. Joe Biden once called for a congresswoman in a meeting who had passed away recently. Joe Biden once said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. We can't be surprised at anything Joe Biden does right now. Like, I'm surprised that the tweet was even spelled right. Now, listen, Donald Trump used to tweet up a storm. Sometimes stuff was spelled wrong. Media went after him all the time. I still don't know what kafefe means. But Joe Biden should be in a nursing home right now. But instead, the good doctor, Dr. Jill, and if you don't call her doctor, she gets her panties in a twist. The good doctor keeps rolling him out there like weekend at Bernie's, and he keeps embarrassing himself. We're almost to the point where they're going to have to start rubbing peanut butter on Joe Biden's dentures to make it look like he's talking in the old TV show, Mr. Ed. I am Mr. Ed. <laughs> uh, That's how they made him talk. They put the peanut butter up there. <laughs> uh, the beloved Hoosiers got their brains beat out, but it is Indiana Purdue this weekend. Tickets going for like 500 bones, big boy. <clears throat> and uh, there, there's a network that has a college basketball morning show, and they're going to be at Duke in North Carolina. Two unranked teams. All right, I guess there's history, there's heritage there. That's fine. But the IU-Purdue rivalry, for people who don't know, the atmosphere in both Assembly Hall and Mackey Arena, it's for that game. It's better than anybody in the country. It's better than what you're going to find at North Carolina. I know we hear about the Cameron crazies, and that section is pretty rowdy. But the entire stadium, the entire damn arena, when IU and Purdue get together, 
It's nasty. It's hatred. It's big brother. It's little brother. It's who's good now. It's dusty old banners. I love it. I'm here for it. And I hate that Indiana lost last night and it kind of took some wind out of the sails because the Hoosiers had been rolling. They got back up in the top 25 again. But I'm telling you, you want to see an atmosphere. Tune into that game on Saturday. It's going to be wild, man. I tell people, like, when I was playing, and I think I was a senior, maybe I was a junior, we beat Purdue at Purdue, and I I got my fourth foul in the first half. Knight kept me in. I don't know. We were rolling, <laughs> so he kept me in. And I came off with my fourth foul with about 20 seconds to go in the game, and people were throwing stuff at me, and I'm being literal here. I picked up 75 cents in coins that were thrown <laughs> at me, and I showed Alford at halftime. I go, yeah, look, you know. I made some cash here tonight, and I put it in my pants pocket in the locker room. So, yeah, man, I don't think they were heated coins like in Belgrade, but, you know, still, <laughs> that's, the kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of rivalry I can get behind. I know you got to run. Thanks, Hammond Time. Great stuff. You got it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a true story. Indiana, he's right. Indiana and Purdue is a great rivalry. I'm glad to see Purdue's number one. I'm glad to see Indiana – uh, is playing. Mackey Arena was crazy. Um, uh, they literally, I'm walking on, I, I got my fourth foul. It was down at the other end and I'm coming off the court and be, boo, you suck, doggage. Actually looked in the stands and saw a girl I went to high school with and she kind of blew me a kiss. She wasn't swearing at me. She wanted a little bit of this action, but we had to go home after the game. But I got hit. I'm like, man, what is that? What? I only got hit by one or two, but I looked on the floor and they're rolling and I went and picked up and it was 75 cents. Actually, it was less than that. And then there was one that they threw at me. I went to sit at the end of the bench by the student section and it, it, hit, it hit me and I'm like, wow, yeah, all right. I think it was 1984, or 1985. I'm not sure. Yeah, but that's the kind of rivalry I like. Yeah. Now, you're saying, why did Knight keep you in? I don't know. I had three fouls. He kept me in. I got another one. We ended up big at half, and we won the game. I didn't even get in the game in the second half because they didn't need me. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? 75 cents. Yeah. I loved it. Loved it. Now, people are going to say, no, that didn't happen. How the hell it didn't. It absolutely did happen. And you know what? It should happen. It's got to continue to happen. Keep tweeting, Dylan and Ryan from uh, the OutKick, if you don't mind. couple of other things before we go to break. People are asking, well, how will Tom Brady be remembered? What do you mean, how will Tom Brady be remembered? Well, I think he's going to be remembered for Deflategate, my backside. Stop it, stupid. Just stop it. Stop it. No, he's not. Tom Brady is going to be remembered as the greatest football player of all time. Tom Brady is going to be remembered unless somebody gets to seven or eight, unless somebody gets to 11 Super Bowls like Michael Jordan is. I was watching Carton yesterday. James Jones was on the show. James Jones, they were showing who would you take, the 1990s team of Jordan, Elijah Wan, Barkley, whatever, or the current team of you know, like uh, Durant and LeBron, and James Jones said, look, there's some bad boys on there. But I, ladies and gentlemen, am taking the guy that plays with Michael Jordan. I will never take anybody above Michael Jordan. And that's what you're going to get 
with Tom Brady. That's what you're going to get every single time you talk to anybody moving forward about Tom Brady, period. Period. That's how he's going to be remembered. Anything else is just going to be crap. Anything else is just going to be, I, I don't know, jealous indie fans. Um, you know, I don't know what to tell you. That's how it's going to be looked at. That's exactly how it's going to be looked. Now, we'll say this about uh, Peyton Manning. See, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning did something that not a lot of quarterbacks could do. The great ones can But Peyton Manning made bad receivers really good. Like, there's a guy, legendary here in Indianapolis, named Blair White. Blair White, I think, is now a dentist. He came from Michigan State. Blair White had an incredible, incredible time as a wide receiver over, God, I don't, I'm looking, I'm trying to look it up here. Not a very long time. Uh, he, he, he had a very short stint as a really good, maybe half a season, as a really good wide receiver with the Colts. Very good. Like, all right, you're, you, you know, you, you, you may make the team again the next year. Well, he didn't. But the truth of the matter is that's what Manning did. Now, I would argue that the combination of Belichick and Brady made guys like Wes Welker, you know, Amadola, really good players, Deion Branch, Super Bowl MVPs. I think the combination, I think the scheme, the fit into the scheme, the little quick guy that could get himself open, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think that that was really big for those two. But let's make no bones about it. Let's, don't even, let's not even try to set one back with the other ahead. They were both absolutely great. They were fantastic. There's nothing wrong with either. Anybody and everybody would have loved to have both on their team. They were totally committed to being your quarterback in your city. I always said this about Andrew Luck. He was not. Andrew Luck was not going to be the guy. He was never going to be the guy that um, you said, well, uh, he's going to be in here before the draft and work out the wide receiver that you just picked. He, he wasn't going to be that. He wasn't going to be that at all. That is not who he was. You know, what he was was a really smart dude, a really, really, really smart dude that figured out, hey, look, I'm really good at being a quarterback. I'm competitive as hell, but I don't know that he made players great. I don't know that he did. I don't know that he didn't. But what I would say is that he went about the business, Andrew Luck did, of being really, really good, uber competitive, and all that stuff. But he wasn't Brady, and he wasn't Manning. And that's not to say that he was bad. He was really good. But those two guys deeply, deeply, deeply loved football. I mean, you're playing until you're 45, for crying out loud. I mean, think about that. You're playing until you're 45. You love football. You're playing through a neck. See, Peyton Manning went all over Europe to do and get treated, finally realized that, well, there's something here called QC Kinetics in Indianapolis. I'm using them. You will hear more about that for my knee. And got healthy here. 
in Indy. Here's the other thing about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Tom Brady essentially got cut. I mean, let's be honest. Tom Brady got cut. Peyton Manning absolutely got cut. Jimmy Ursay said, hey, look, we don't think he can play. We got the number one pick. We're going to take Andrew Luck. He's going to be our quarterback. We can't sit here and rely on Peyton Manning with a neck that we don't think our doctors are saying is never going to play. Tom Brady, you're seeing the retirement video here. Tom Brady was basically the victim of Bill Belichick's one year ahead of the posse program. What does that mean? That means Belichick had a history of this, a history of getting rid of a player when he still had and looked to have at least one year left. That was Belichick's way of knowing he had used all of the ability of a player, but still getting something back for that player because it appeared he had at minimum one year. Brady obviously was the outlier to that. Most of what Belichick did with that was right. It was. But the truth of the matter is, um, it didn't work out in Brady's case. All right, we have breaking news from the NFL. We are going to give it to you right before we go to uh, What the Hell Wednesday. And we got an unbelievable What the Hell Wednesday. Stay right here. I got breaking news from the NFL that doesn't involve Tom Brady. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Tweeting it out, will you? All right, welcome back. We have breaking news from the NFL and you Colts fans, and I know there's a bunch of you that right now are on the YouTube chat. Uh, This affects the Colts. This affects the Colts deeply, and I got to tell you, this is not a surprise. The breaking news, the Colts, and again, this is why it affects. um, The Chicago Bears have decided to move forward. This is according to Albert Breer. The Bears have decided to go ahead with Justin Fields as the franchise quarterback and will trade the number one overall pick in the draft instead of drafting a quarterback prospect. Now, you're saying to yourself, how does that affect the Colts? If I'm the Colts, I'm telling you right now, you can have Darius Leonard. You can have our fourth pick. You can have Quentin Nelson. Give me the number one pick. Now, that's only if I like one of these quarterbacks. And look, somebody says, well, you got to take C.J. Stroud or well, you got to take... Will Levis, or, well, you got to take Bryce Young. No, you don't have to take anybody. Here's what you have to do. You have to, you have to, ladies and gentlemen, take the guy that you like the best. Like, I don't care who Warren Sharp or Don Cliff, I don't care who any of these guys like. You have to take the guy you like the best. Now, you think that's simple. You think that's like, well, no, duh, Dan. Well, of course, Dan. No, 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 no. It is not that simple because it's not just one guy that is in the room. Some guys may like Bryce Young. Some guys may absolutely love C.J. Stroud. Look at what C.J. Stroud did, blah, 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 blah. All right. That's the predicament. When you have the number one pick in the draft, that's the predicament. You know what? 
it's almost better for a general manager, unless there is an Andrew Luck, unless there is a John Elway, a Peyton Manning, to have the number two pick, almost. But there really isn't one of those guys, but I'm going to tell you something. There is going to be a guy in this draft that will either be the number one pick and be spectacular or be passed over in this draft and be spectacular, making the number one pick look idiotic. I'm just telling you. That's what's going to happen here. It's the Patrick Mahomes effect. I don't think anybody can criticize anybody for passing by Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was very overrated even when he was very good. We watched him here in Indy. He would throw interception. He would fumble on the goal line. What are you talking about? He's good. I'm not saying he wasn't good. And then you add in, I don't know, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what you add in with Deshaun Watson. You add in a media that protects a predator for what reason? I think it's because, well, white media is afraid of Deshaun Watson. But anyway, I just, I, I digress. All right. Craig Killebrew says the only Colts were the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is here on the YouTube chat. All right, let's get, did you know this? I want you guys on the YouTube chat to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. See, I disagree with Cashman. I think there's going to be a home run after he gets to play. I don't think there's any home run according to analytics and what we've seen, but I think somebody's going to get as a quarterback into the right situation, and I think they're going to excel. I don't know why I feel that way, Cashy. You're smarter than I. And by the way, give him a follow. Uh, give him a while at thecashmanwins.com if you want to win some money. Or he'll, he'll educate you. He's not a gambling site. He's just a guy that tells you what to do. All right. There is a New Zealand plane that flew for 13 hours but went nowhere. Now, let me say this again. There is a New Zealand plane that flew for 13 hours and went absolutely nowhere. Now, here's how I look at this. Regardless of what happened, all right, because I don't want to hear it. I I just don't. If I was in a plane for 13 hours, and there's two ways of being in a plane for 13 hours. For some reason, ladies and gentlemen, for some reason, I don't know the reason, but for some reason, They decide, the FAA or whatever the hell it is, decides that, well, you cannot get off of a plane once it is stopped on the runway. It's like this is holy ground. So some people have been on planes for as many as 13 hours. But I want you to listen to this. All right. This is in Dubai. Passengers filed onto the Emirates airline flight, scheduled to fly to Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, Maybe they're going to get a little, who knows, whatever they were going to do. All right. But they got New Zealand and Australia mixed up. They did. The flight made it halfway, six and a half hours, and then had to turn around. A 9,000-mile trip. Flooding. Flooding is the reason. So they took off six and a half hours. Ah, man, the Auckland airport's flooded. We got to turn around. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a what the hell. Did you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Larry, Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm, bought a Spite store, a coffee shop 
And in the coffee shop, he had some weird things in the bathroom. He had a thing where you put your feet down to pee and the door goes up and it closes. He had a thing where women had to hold on to handles to use the restroom. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Slanted toilets. Yes, you heard that right. Slanted toilets are a thing. They are. I don't know why they're a thing, but I'm looking at that bad boy and I'm thinking to myself, I ain't mad at it. Now, I do have to say, going the caca isn't bad. Three degree sitting angle causes less strain on the legs after five minutes. This is Larry David smart. It is. This is genius. This is brilliant. Look, as an older guy, I just had a long discussion. And I want to go to the YouTube chat for this. I just had a discussion, Cashman and Nick and Jennifer and all of you currently on the YouTube chat. I had a discussion with my friend Cam Safali about toilets. We went to lunch at another friend's house. So Ryan Mueller, Sean Black, and all the rest of you, let me ask you a simple question. Jennifer, you're, you're, you're not equipped to answer this. As men, do you ever sit down to pee? As you get older, things go everywhere. As you get older, you become messy. That's why older men wear diapers. It's pain to pee. But a friend of mine turned me on to sitting to pee in the house. I'm not going to lie to you. Not a bad move. Not the worst thing I've heard. I'm curious, do any of you do that? I don't know. And if you did that, would you admit to it? Ryan Mueller says, I have. Uncouth says, yes. My brother, absolutely. You get, you sit, you don't have to clean it all up. Always said, women, way, way smarter. Nick Chaplin says, uh, no, sir. No, sir. No. Uh, Mike Cole says, that's the only way I can go. Sitting down. I don't know what the squatty potty is, Jennifer, but I ain't mad about it. You get to this age, you'll do anything that makes your life easier. And that bad boy, that slanted toilet, looks like it is going to make my life easier. This is an unbelievable story coming up. So you're playing JV basketball in Portsmouth, Ohio. You're playing some hoops. You're out there. Your team's got a situation. That situation is a couple players have fouled out. Let's go to the video. A 22-year-old coach impersonated a 13-year-old girl and just started whooping up on everybody. So she's out there balling. Her team knows she's the coach. Her team knows that she's not the freaking whatever. She's balling hard, talking trash, flipping her fingers down, going to the free throw line as a 22-year-old. She got fired. She should have got fired. She's 22. Look, the whole staff got fired. Portsmouth, Virginia, the assistant coach, Alicia Boykin, stepped in for one of the players who had to miss a game for a club game in a different league. She took the court, Boykins did. She was impersonated. She was unaware of the girl that was impersonated. The player is going to transfer to another school. Everybody wants an apology. Everybody's acting offended. Don't be offended. It's kind of cool. They decided not to play the remainder of the season. The junior varsity head coach, along with the varsity head coach, were fired. 
Sources told the folks that the varsity head coach at Portsmouth encouraged the behavior. Man. All right. How about that? Interesting. All right. Chicago, that toddling town, has got all kinds of things. You know, Craig Killebrew, I do the same. Uh, I walk out on my balcony at night, and I usually pee off it. There's a sense of freedom. So I'm with you, Craig Killebrew. Anyway, here's the deal. A lady, a teacher, a school official stole $1.5 million worth of chicken wings in an embezzlement scheme. Now, let's hear from said person. Let's hear about this. We got a video. A former South Suburban school lunch lady is now facing criminal charges accused of stealing more than a million dollars worth of chicken wings. WGN's Andrea Medina has that story from Harvey. This went on for about a year and a half. What the school worker allegedly did with a large amount of chicken wings is still unknown, but she's in custody at the Cook County Jail and is accused of placing unauthorized purchases separately from the district's legitimate orders. 66-year-old Vera Liddell is a former Harvey School District 152 employee. She's at the center of a major theft scheme that brewed during the COVID-19 pandemic when students weren't allowed in the classroom. Liddell worked for Harvey Schools for more than a decade. She was a food services director, but after her tenure, she was hired as a consultant in July 2020. In that role, she was in charge of placing food orders. Between July 2020 to February 2022, Cook County prosecutors alleged she used her position to embezzle $1.5 million from the school district. Court documents accuse Liddell of ordering more than 11,000 cases of chicken wings from the district's food provider, Gordon Food Service, GFS, and picking them up with a district's cargo van. At this time, it's not clear what Liddell did with them, but a proffer presented at her bond hearing last week says the food was never brought to the school or provided to the students. It goes on to say even though the children were learning remotely, the school district continued to provide meals for the students that their families could pick up. The scheme was uncovered January 2022 by the district's business manager during a mid-year audit. The manager found the district was $3,000 over its budget and were only halfway through the school year. Court records reveal the manager discovered individual invoices signed by Liddell for massive quantities of chicken wings, an item never served to students because they contain bones. Parents say it's upsetting to know someone may have selfishly taken the funds intended to nourish students. This is the area that we live in. We live in, like, you know, um, middle class, lower than middle, middle class in this area. So it really don't surprise me that somebody would try to get over, but... It's kind of sad. Others claim it's not surprising to know a trusted person in their community would do such thing, but they're hoping the district enforces effective oversight over the financial activities of the district. I just feel that um, the people that was watching over that money or who jobs it was, um, they need to be um, looked at because that shouldn't happen. The Harvey superintendent is aware of the charges, but declined to speak on camera or give a comment because it is an ongoing investigation. I like it. A crime most foul. So here's the deal. That's like 11,000 cases of chicken wings. And the reason she got caught was they had bones in them. Nobody would have noticed 
if they didn't have bones in them because apparently in Harvey, Illinois, you are not allowed in the school district to have chicken wings with bones in them. People, oh, look at this. Oh, my God. People will get over on anything that they can get over on, right? And the one dude in there, well, the people that oversold the money, well, they just found it. So that clown talking about, well, no, no, no. It ain't about the people overseeing the person. It's about the person that stole 1.5 million in chicken wings, 11,000 cases in chicken wings. That's who it's about. So the people overseeing the money, you clown, that got interviewed, they found the money. They found it. It's amazing, though, they were only $3,000 over their budget. Seems like they would have been way more than that. All right, you got to see this video coming up here of two moped drivers. These dudes weren't having it. These dudes said, screw you, we're throwing hands. It's just what we do when we ride a moped. As a Vespa splash moped slash motorcycle enthusiast, I understand. When it's time to throw hands in the motorcycle industry, we'll throw down. Let's see it. Boom! They just started throwing. Look at these guys. They ain't messing around. These two dudes went at it hard. Like, man, oh man. How great is this? Like, I don't see everybody, every little uh, chubby girl with her camera out or every little frat boy with his camera out. At least people came in here and said, look, we're going to clean this joint up. You know what I mean? We're going to clean this up. They got, look at these two. Boom! I mean, they are just throwing. Zero hesitation, uncouth. It's almost like they were playing chicken. When we see that video again, tell me this isn't like, you ever play chicken? You're coming at somebody, they're coming at you, and somebody's got to get out of the way. If not, you crash. I, oh, well, there you go. There's your chicken. <laughs> Swear to God, when we show, boom, now they're going. Now they're throwing. This wasn't like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, what's wrong with you? No. This is two dudes that I think one got on one side of that street, the other got on the other side of that street, and they said, let's go. This looks like this is in Thailand, I think at least according to some folks. How about that? That's like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady when they ride mopeds, man. You know, back in the back alleys where the real stories happen. Here they go. What's that bright light? Is I, I thought at first that bright light, I thought it was on fire. Like, I thought, oh, man, what? Man, there's kicking, there's punching, there's swinging, there's having at it. Yeah. Yeah, hey, Sean Black, congratulations. One of your baseball players up in the Cleveland area got his thousandth point last night. Who's your daddy? I got to tell you, everybody should learn to fight with their feet. If you fight with your feet, it gives you a big-time advantage. The only problem you have if you fight with your feet is that you can get knocked down, and then once on the ground, you might have a serious problem. Serious, serious problem. But dudes are beating the living hell out of them. Everybody's throwing hands. Everybody's losing their mind. And nobody's sitting there with a camera, I don't think. Boom! All right. 
Let's see a little Woke-A-Dope. It is Woke-A-Dope time here on the big show. A little Woke-A-Dope for you, big boy. What say you? Who's woken and who's doping today? Which brings me to May 30th, 2020. Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. They suited up. They waved to their families. And they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it's unbelievable, this woman. Can we play? Can, all right. For those of you that missed it or didn't know what you were hearing, you're hearing an idiot. Okay? Let's play it again. Put the sound back on and let's play this again. My God. Which this brings woman. me to May 30th, 2020. Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. They suited up, they waved to their families, and they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then they launched. Yeah. They yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. They did. Yeah. That's the vice president of the United States. Now, I get it. You're not allowed to talk about what an idiot she is, but she's an idiot. She's like a second grade teacher talking to children. How did she get that job? I understand the rumors about her and the 60-year-old mayor of San Francisco. But how in the hell did anybody put this woman in any type of position of authority? How is this possible that every time she speaks, she's dumber? And you know what I think is fascinating by it? She actually doesn't know it. Being stupid and arrogant is the worst way to go through life. It just is. It's fine if you're stupid, if you know you're stupid. It's fine if you're arrogant and you know you're arrogant. But when you combine, she acts like she's educating us. Like she's sitting here with this new idea of, oh my God, I can't believe you're bringing this to us. It's awful. This person is awful. These people are horrendous. And you know the deal? I'm going to tell you all the deal. Nobody really pays attention. I've learned this. I've learned that in this job, I got to start paying more attention. I know I look like John Fetterman here today. Some of you, a lot of you are like, who's John Fetterman? Look him up. You'll see. It looks a lot like this without the crazy. But we don't pay attention in this country. Honest to God, why do you think on May 11th they're going to relax all the COVID? The election is May 16th. Why do you think now, or the primary, why do you think now everything you hear about is how Republicans are going to get rid of Social Security? They're trying to scare you. Normal people don't pay that much attention, and they say, oh, yeah, 
This has been going on for years. For years I've heard about Social Security and the Republicans. For years I've heard Donald Trump will lead us into World War III. Honest to God, is there anything that these people are doing that they can ride on their own? Is there anything they are actually substantively doing other than whatever the hell this is? I mean, if you put, swear to God, if you put different clothes on it, you'd say this is a bimbo. This is an idiot. This is the stupidest person ever. But she's got an office. She dresses. And people go, oh, my God, Camilla cares about it. She's an idiot. Holy hell. She is a freaking idiot. That's all I got for that. Uh, D'Amico Rhines, I want to go back. If we can't end this, I want to go back and play for you Daryl Denny Dennis Jr., the grifting, race-baiting clown that is on our airways occasionally on ESPN who accused the McNair family and the Houston Texans of being racist. This idiot who was on whatever that show is, I can't remember what it's called, Around the Horn, actually started talking about how, because the Texans got rid of two god-awful African-American coaches, they were going to hire a white coach and give him more years. Of course, he's wrong. D'Amico Ryans was hired and got six years. You won't hear anybody in the media call him out. You won't hear their own show call him out. You won't hear Norby Williamson or any of the people that run ESPN say, man, we got a pack of idiots on these shows. We got to clean this up. But let's hear from Denny Dennis Jr. and his stupidity on the hiring practices of, ladies and gentlemen, the Houston Texans. Yeah, I'm going to focus on the Texans here. This is why there's so much skepticism about hiring black coaches in the NFL. This is the second, Lovey Smith, the second coach in a row for the Texans that was fired after the first year without much, you know, equipment to do anything with that team. There was a dead-end job. And we know that McNair did not really want Lovey Smith for that job. He wanted Josh McCown and they picked Lovey Smith because of the Brian Flores lawsuit. And so now you get to hire the, uh, the coach that you want, probably Josh McCown, with the new quarterback coming up, and you get to give him years and years because you say you're developing somebody new. Meanwhile, the black coaches got kicked off the uh, organization. Bye. Uh, that guy's an idiot. I'm calling a lot of people idiots. The, uh, you know, equipment. No, I don't know. Tell me, you know, the equipment. The, you know, the equipment. Guy's a complete idiot. He had no preparation. He had nothing. All he had was he's going to talk really fast because, you know, I got something to say. All right, you got something to say, and it's stupid. And it's wrong, and it's racist, and you look and act like a complete dumbass by saying stupid things that have no bearing and turn out to be 1,000% wrong. Now, is this idiot going to apologize for his racist remarks? Of course not. Why? Because he feels justified in being an idiot. He's used to being an idiot. There's nobody at ESPN that's going to call this idiot out. Nobody calls 
uh, Jalen Rose out. Nobody calls Harry Lyles out, gets a DUI. He's right back there on the sidelines. They say guys are unarmed on national TV. Mark Jones, who is a complete fool, uh, has been guarded by police officers for years. All of a sudden, he decides he's going to be a social justice warrior and worry about cops shooting him. He compares all kinds of things that white people do to the worst people in the world. And Mark Jones gets hired, rehired, and now is the Sacramento Kings announcer. Thank God for OutKick. Hey, look, if the dude was white, we'd be calling him out too. So shut the hell up on all that crap. So all you little white guys that have your little blog sites, screw you uh, talking about me and being racist for calling this Daryl Denny out. I call anybody out that deserves to be white or black, special but equal, does not, not, or excuse me, equal but special, does not reign here. If you are white and a dumbass, we say you're a dumbass. If you're black and a dumbass, uh, we say you're a dumbass. If you're biracial and a dumbass, we say you're a dumbass. It's just what we do. Is it any surprise that ESPN holds on to clowns like this? Is it any surprise that this guy works for the black ESPN? Yay, Ra, go fight, win. It is amazing, 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 amazing. Uh, will you vote on this poll, even though we just now remember to put a poll on for... <laughs> with two minutes left in the show. Hey, everybody that's on the YouTube chat, you know how much I appreciate you. Alan Cashman, Betts, who's your daddy? Jim Eagle, Jody Sheldon, Lick, Mark Cole, Mudcat, Nick Chaplin, Outkick, Rob, Peters, Tall, Ken Chit, Uncouth, and all of you that have been here, 400 and so people, we get a great YouTube chat crowd. As always, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Corey. Uh, thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Clay. Thank you to everyone that allows us to be here. Tom Brady retired. It kind of came out of nowhere. Keep it here. Listen to Clay. Listen to Tommy. Listen to the OutKick 360 guys because we're going to shoot you straight. You're not going to hear people defend their own, quote, people. You're going to hear real talk. The defending their own, quote, people. I actually heard a guy and I love him, LaFonso Ellis, say that Kentucky's problem was not having Kenny Payne as an assistant. That's defending your guy. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Dockage out.